Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast, brought to you by Influtive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar, but you're not here for me. You're here for our guest. Today, we're talking with Jenny Asaba, who's the Manager of Community Engagement and Advocacy at Champ. Apart from being incredibly endearing and just an overall gem, Jenny understands the value of deep engagement. She gets that often the highly personalized, high-touch initiatives we take with only a handful of our customers can go a lot further than your typical broad outreach that might touch thousands of your customers. This is interesting to me because it can teach you how to better focus your attention, but it's also a formula for how to get started with a new advocacy or community initiative. When you have tons of customers, it can be intimidating to know where to get started. But Jenny has a few ideas for you. Hey Jenny, thanks so much for joining us. Dan, thanks for having me. I want to first start off talking about this idea of engaging small groups of customers. Um, you, you told me this story around you're looking to produce this, uh, you know, swag for your customer. Maybe maybe you shouldn't call it swag because swag can kind of have some connotations to it. This thoughtful uh, gift for your customers, uh, and you got some pushback around you know, the amount of time and effort for such a small group of customers. Can, can you tell us that story? Yeah, sure thing. So as you know, our marketing teams are very busy. I'm sure yours is as well. And ours is preparing for a user conference. So right now they're just swamped with projects. So when I came to them and I said, hey, can you produce this item for me? And I won't give away what it is because it hasn't been produced yet. Can you produce this item for me that I want to give away to some customers? They said. Um, yeah, we can work on that. Like how many customers are you giving it to? Can you tell me a little bit about the story? And I said, well, it's about 25 customers. And they're like, 25. And Jamf has got a lot of customers, right? So they're always a little curious when it's such a small number. And they're like, I don't know if we can prioritize that right now. Totally understandable because they have so many bigger things that are impacting, you know, 25,000 people expected to come to our user conference. So apples to oranges when it comes to numbers, but it brought up this really, um, the really important topic that we started talking about of, should we just look at number, right? So should we just look at, well, if it's only 25 people, does it not have the same impact as something that we would do for 200 or 500 customers, right? So a little story that I shared with my colleague and and really then brought it back to my team and talked about this idea that you need to focus never, I believe in customer advocacy, never just on sheer quantity or numbers. Instead, you focus on the granular importance of what's at hand. And in this case, it was rewarding some customers for uh, producing basically really, really valuable feedback that we needed on something we were working on. And I said, now, if we reward those customers with something and truly show them how much we appreciate all of their feedback and thank them for their actions, they then could be those, you know, this is what you always hope for, those top advocates for you that say somebody in your community calls out something they don't like. And it could have a really negative impact overall on, hey, like maybe you had 25 new customers in your program that week and they see this negative comment, this negative comment, then they're going to get this, you know, bad taste in their mouth right away. But if you have that one person who had this extra special experience with your brand because you showed them genuine appreciation, they just might stand up for you and be like, oh, but wait, 
this is how it actually is, or this is how, you know, Jenny and the community team at JAMP actually operate. So I never want to say that you should discount the, the power of some very small, I wouldn't say big voices in small quantities, because those are definitely there, especially within customer advocacy programs. And I think we tend to forget it sometimes when we focus on quantity instead, which is a big miss. I think it's also really inspiring to hear because every, you know, customer community, every advocacy program, it has to start somewhere, right? Like if you're this gigantic company and you have a hundred thousand customers, you're never going to engage all those customers. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously like over the years, you can get closer and closer to that number, but you're just, you're never going to get there. And it can be really intimidating for like, why even start if you're not going to get there? But I think it's, inspiring to hear that even impacting 5, 10, 25 people can actually move the needle in certain areas? Absolutely. absolutely. Apart from being a good motivation to get started, what I love about Jenny's approach is that she genuinely believes in rewarding her customers and showing them appreciation. That reciprocal relationship is part of how she builds these deep connections and why her customers absolutely love her. It's not just about what can they do for her. She's actively thinking about what she can do for them. We talked about how, you know, you can get some pushback from like, why are we, why are we doing this work for, for 25 people? Um, and another thing you, you had mentioned to me in a previous conversation was how you kind of don't get that same thoughtfulness when it's, you're setting up 500 or something. That's just kind of generic. Um, but like, how do you think about scale? Cause it, you know, we keep coming back in, you know, startup land, everybody always says like, you got to do things that don't scale uh, when you're, when you're starting off. Are you more of the camp of, it doesn't matter that this doesn't scale right now. Cause we'll figure it out later. Or are you of the camp of it doesn't scale? And that's kind of the point. Yeah, I think, I think a combination because it depends on what it is. Like some things that you're going to start with, you know, that they might not scale and you might decide later that they don't need to. And that's why I say I'm kind of like in that in-between land. It depends on what the thing is because, you know, customers don't all want to be treated the same way. And I think we forget that too. We're like, oh, if I do this for one, I need to do it for everyone else. Just like our personalities are all different. You and I aren't going to like the same thing. If somebody said like, like your CEO, Dan's going to take us out for ice cream or something. He's going to be like, you guys worked real hard. I want to take you out for dessert. And you're going to be like, I want ice cream. And I'm going to be like, I want like cake. We can't go to the same place, right? We don't want the same type of dessert. And we have to remember that our customers and the people in our programs don't want that either. So it's a matter of getting to know them. Some ways you can get to know know them are very automated. And Flutive makes it incredibly easy to collect information that they, you know, they're willing to give you and what they're willing to give you also tells you about your customers. So if people are asking questions and program managers like care about their their customer base, which I'm hoping they all do, right? <laughs> they're generally going to just learn about their customers over time and you figure out which things, which customers will appreciate. So some things then can scale and some things then don't need to. But again, it's like having that genuine interest in your members listening, right? Putting your ear to the ground, understanding what they're looking for to get out of your program and then delivering on it and trial and error too, right? Nobody gets it right the first time. Yeah. And you, you learn over time and adapt. So 
and when you talk about, you know, everybody has their kind of personal preferences and stuff like that. Um, and one thing that you do a really good job of is meaningfully engaging these customers. So I think a lot of people, especially if you have some sort of community platform or, you know, way to engage your customers a little bit, a lot of people are good at getting that kind of like surface level engagement. Like, okay, we know, you know, Rick lives in the UK and he works for this kind of a company, but but we don't get that step below, which is often where long-term, more meaningful connections come from. So like, what advice do you have around taking it a step below that surface level and actually more meaningfully engaging your customers? Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that you can do this that get me really excited. I mean, the first and honestly easiest way is like, you just need to open up as, as you, as the community manager so that people feel like they can give back because whenever somebody in any relationship inside outside of work if they are vulnerable to some point first you always feel more comfortable in that conversation yeah. I start this and we talked a little bit about this with a zoom background I don't like zoom backgrounds <laughs> I'm not gonna hide that fact I don't like them because and this comes from my days as a newspaper reporter I, when I would start conver a conversation with somebody, I would look at their environment and their environment would tell me a little bit about them. It gives you clues about that person, right? So if we have a Zoom background, it takes away all those clues. I mean, maybe the background itself gives you some, depending on what they have, but it's just one of those things that's unspoken that allows them to learn a little bit more about you. Now, with that idea in mind, I actually, before we started recording earlier this morning, I tried to relocate into the room <laughs> store because I'm like, everybody has seen me in my basement added bedroom office. And I'm like, I'm going to try and go in the other room so they get to learn a little bit more about me. We've got like a climbing wall and a bookshelf for my kids. And it's really cool. Long story short, lighting is terrible. <laughs> That, that didn't work. But those are things that I think about that may seem really dumb, but they're, they're different ways that you can allow customers to get to know about you without having to say anything and without them having to ask. Because again, we don't all have, you know, these extroverted personalities. There might be some introverts that are just waiting for you to give information until it's a point where they feel more comfortable. And, and when you're trying to get that you know, step below the surface level. How do you think about, you know, this professional versus like personal kind of boundaries? Because a lot of people don't want to get too personal with their customers because they don't want to overstep any bounds, right? Like they have this idea of like, I need to have my professional Jenny hat on, not my like friend Jenny hat on. Like, how do you think about that divide of pre professional versus personal relationships? Yeah. This is also a topic I love. Like at the end of the day, we're all humans, yeah. right? And I, I think honestly, we forget that as silly as that sounds, we forget that we're humans. And sometimes we act a little bit more robotic when we're in our professional environments. I don't know why we do that. I mean, I, I think it, I should say, I think it goes back to some of what you said. People feel like they need to act a little bit more professional, but what yeah. does that really mean? You know, what does it mean dressing a certain way? Does it mean not showing their, you know, guest bedroom in the background? I don't know. People all are going to have different opinions and different cultures are going to have different opinions on what that means. So it's really a game of roulette anyway, when you're talking about what people are going to perceive to be professional. But if we approach relationships with our customers, like we approach any human relationship, it's finding connection. 
that's the base of what humans want, right? They just want connection. They want to figure out what they have in common with somebody else so they can have a normal conversation, so they can connect on deep, deeper levels. And then, as we know, human relationships are like spider webs. They can, they can grow and expand and build over time as you feel like you're connecting more with a person or you have more in common. Now, this means that we do have to, you know, like I said, if we open up first as community managers, that, that obviously helps. But I'm also a big believer in giving different types of opportunities. So with our customers, we do different types of events throughout the year that allow people, again, to engage in a way that may suit their personality or their interests more. So we've done like a missing maps activity where for two hours, we all got on into our Zoom rooms and we mapped out. Um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you like get on and you actually map out missing roads and buildings in developing nations so that if there's like a catastrophe in that area, they now have a map and can go find those people who might be a victim of a mudslide. Wow. Okay. So it's a, it's a nonprofit it's a free activity. People who really care about humanitarian efforts are like, this is amazing. I'm going to jump all over this and do something really good with my time while building relationships with the others who are doing it with you. So, I mean, that's just one example of a free activity that you can remotely do with customers anywhere. And it's definitely going to appeal to certain personality types who care about that type of, you know, that type of interaction. Jenny's idea that we forget that we're all human really hit home for me. In marketing, we're often disconnected from our customers. We're creating things, but we forget that there are other people out there consuming them. We just think of them as these vague customers, or worse, they're a target to hit. You know, we need to get a thousand leads with this ebook we're working on. But there are human beings on the other side of the equation. And guess what? You're also a human being, probably. We overthink it sometimes, or maybe we underthink it sometimes, I don't know. How would I like to consume this? How would I like to be marketed to? Jenny had a great idea that's so obvious, but probably not enough people are doing. Another thing that I think community managers forget to do is actually ask. Yeah. How often do we ask our customers, how do you want to engage with me? How yeah. do you want to engage with other customers? Like, we just think we know all the answers and then we put it out there, right? Yeah. So why are we not just asking. Um, so continue. And I share this throughout Jamf. Like you have a question. If you're wondering what would our customers think about this? Like, why don't we just ask them yeah. and we do. And then guess what? They love being asked. Yeah. They love to give their opinion. They love, cause it goes back to thoughtfulness. Yeah. It shows that you respect their opinion and you want to know what they genuinely want. Right. That's a level of thoughtfulness. We just need to ask more often. What have you changed your mind about in the last year, two years, when it comes to working with your customers, engaging with your customers? Mm -hmm. I've definitely, I had to think about this one, but I've definitely changed my mind about engagement overall. So back when we launched, you know, just over three years ago now, we just celebrated three years and I looked at engagement very heavily and I still do like engagement matters a lot, but I looked at what is the percentage of my um, users that are engaging on a routine basis. And we always had really, really high engagement and pandemic hit and engagement started to drop off a little bit. Like I'm sure it did for everybody under the sun. Right. And I'm just like, 
oh gosh. And you start to like, your heart starts to be a little faster and you're like, am I doing something wrong? Are they just like really busy? Like the world is falling, like what's happening. Right. And you pivot because at the end of the day too, we all need to remember that our product is humans and humans have needs that change very quickly. So that's why we continuously need to pay attention to what they're looking for, how they want to engage the things that they actually need. Right. Um, but with all of that, the engagement started to drop and then it levels off at a point, right? Everybody's kind of bouncing back. We're feeling more comfortable. We're a little safer and we're at a really steady point. And our engagement is still very high considering like the, the market, but it's about 10 points lower of where it was pre-pandemic. But what I started to look at with my team was the overall types of engagement that we were getting out of our community. So while our overall engagement rate dropped, our actual um, quality of engagement and the number of things that are being done that are really meaningful skyrocketed. So I looked at this and I'm like, holy smokes, this is super fascinating to me. We have overall fewer people engaging, but those people who are engaging are engaging at a much higher rate than they did six months ago. So that's been fascinating to watch. And then we've had conversations internally about, is this more valuable? And again, it goes back to that quantity versus quality. And I will always side with quality when you're talking customer advocacy, because they provide so much value that you're just not going to get at that surface level from a massive amount of people. Yeah. Um, so that's something that we paid a lot of attention to. We've seen just incredible strides come out of our advocates and just really positive results for the organization overall. I love that because I think we all get really hung up in vanity metrics and not that I think engagement is a vanity metric because it's it's often like the opposite of that, whatever the, an antonym for vanity is, like it's that kind of a metric, like it's very meaningful. Um, but but you're right, like sometimes we just get hung up on these high level numbers and just pat ourselves on the back when it's stayed steady or it's gone up, but we don't actually think about, is this meaningful? Like when, when you talk about that engagement uh, number, one thing that I think about, I don't know if you know who Kevin Rose is. He was the founder of this site called Dig, which was kind of like Reddit, I think before Reddit. Oh. Anyways, so he, uh, he came up with this newsletter a couple of years ago and it was just like, a collection of, of thoughts around like stuff that he's liking or like movies or podcasts and things that he's thinking about. Um, and I forget if he did it monthly or it was just whenever he wanted to do it. But anyways, what he started to do after he sent out the first handful of them is he went back into MailChimp or whatever he was using to send these newsletters. And he looked at who had never opened up this newsletter and he actually just unsubscribed them from it. And which is really interesting because with newsletters, it's all about that top level vanity number of like, we've got, you know, 2 million people on this newsletter list, but it doesn't really matter if they're not actually opening up that if, if you have a million of those people who have never opened it up, that metric doesn't really mean anything. So as you've shifted to, to think, okay, it's not just about that high level engagement number, has that impacted what you're measuring now? Like, are you measuring some sort of different number instead? Yeah, 
Uh, we still look at engagement numbers. Um, we look at we, we look at that overall activity numbers. So like how many things is this group of people doing? But then really, I think that the power comes back in stories. So I think this is something that we all struggle with in, in the area of community is how do you tie that ROI or how do you show those metrics that we know the rest of the world or maybe our organization wants to see. And I truly don't believe that's where the power is. The power is in the individual stories or those moments, like I shared about Rick, where he's like, I feel like an incredibly valued customer. And Rick is going to do, I mean, I'll say this publicly. So he'd probably do anything for me. If I'm like, Rick, can you record a video for me that I need in 10 minutes? If he's free, he's going to do it for me because he feels so valued. And he knows that if I'm asking for it, it's something that, you know, I really need. So he's going to partake in that. And those are the things that really matter to an organization. So if my CEO or my CTO or my CMO or choose your, your letters, right, wants to come to me and they're like, hey, we need X, Y, Z amount of quotes from customers or videos from customers in this short time, time period, maybe it's for a board meeting, for an investor meeting, what have you, where else can they go to get that in the organization? Yeah chances are they're coming to your customer advocacy program because you can get it for them. And it's because of the relationships that are genuine that you built with your customers. That's where that true value lies. Does it take more work to uncover those stories and show value? Of course it does. But that's where I think the value is. And, and we do, we look at vanity metrics too often when we need to be looking at the true impact on the humans behind the scenes, doing the work and making the change for the organization. And so this is, you know, like we talked earlier, this is this is an intimidating task for a lot of people, right? Of like, how do I either start up a program, which is probably like the most intimidating thing? Like, how do I, you know, continue and like grow this program even more? Or how do I just even like take the first steps and start, you know, getting a little bit closer to a few of my customers? So for anybody listening, yeah. what's something that they can do tomorrow, maybe not, maybe let's not even push it off. What, what can they do today to kind of get them one step closer to being more customer obsessed? Yeah. So are you saying if they have an advocacy program or they don't, they don't have anything to start? Maybe you can give two answers. Maybe it's, if nobody, if, if you haven't even started with an advocacy or community program, or yeah. if you have a program, but you're looking to kind of ramp it up, let's, let's yeah. take those as two separate ones. Sure. Well, if, if people don't have an advocacy program and they're trying to figure out where to start, I always say you have to figure out who your customers are. So if, you know, if this particular person in question here doesn't know, like you want to know everything about your customers, what motivates them? What are their struggles? Where do they live geographically? What products are they using and why? Like learn about the demographics of your customers because that helps drive every decision you're going to have moving forward of how you can support them. Because again, what, what's a customer advocacy program if you're not driving value first to your customers so that they want to give value back to your organization? That is what you always need to lead with. I think that's also where people forget. They, they go into it and they think, what can our customers give to us? What can we get out of our customers for our organization? That is the wrong way to approach any customer advocacy program. And leading with that will have your program fail, in my opinion. It's it's not going to work. 
because you need to show value to customers and build that trust and show them that you're willing to help them succeed and then it'll come back to you. So learning number one about customers. And then I would say people can go and they can say, hey, is there any sort of established group at my organization that has customers congregating already? So those are going to be the people who, who you know are a little bit more passionate already, whether it's part of the customer advisory board, whether they're in like a, we have a really great group that gives research um, feedback routinely, mm -hmm. right? So going to like your UX team and be like, hey, where are you getting your research from? Like they probably have customers who are, are already participating, finding those groups of, of customers, set up a call with them and say, hey, I just want to know like what do you want out of our organization? How can we help you, right? Ask them. Again, it's just going back to understanding the human, asking them what they need, and then starting to build it out. So it's it's not too complicated. Just block by block, build upon it over time. That, that was going to be my question is, you know, how do you learn about these customers when you don't you know already have something uh, in place? But I, I think you're right. I think most organizations have some sort of a customer group in place. Like they have customers that they solicit feedback from for, you know, products enhancements. They have these, you know, voice of the customer councils or, or whatever it might be. I think most customers, most companies have some sort of a, a group. It's just finding those people. And then I think you're right. Just asking them and talking to them like they're human, just to learn a little bit more about what, uh, what makes them tick. Doesn't even need to be a lot. So if someone's like, well, my company is tiny. Well, maybe you have three customers who are kind of the go-tos for, you know, somebody in your leadership group. Yeah. Meet with those three. And I bet those three could introduce you to at least one more, right? And then yeah. you just continuously build upon it. Again, it's just developing human relationships. So going back to the core of what do you do outside of work to build relationships and create human connection? And you pull some of, the, some of those things you already know how to do yeah. into work and build upon it. And, and so what about for the people who already have a community, they've already kind of started this, but maybe it's, yeah. it's not going well, or maybe they're just, you know, kind of looking to ramp this up. Like what's something that they can do tomorrow? I think they, again, need to ask. So if they have the ability, ask customers, ask people in their program, say what's working, what's not working and be willing to take that criticism because if people are willing to tell you, that's them being vulnerable first saying, you know, I'd like to engage, but there's nothing here that motivates me. Well, what would motivate you? And then go off of whatever response you get. So really dig in with what customers you do have. And then on the flip side of that, because that's you asking something from them, right? But we always want to give to So start recognizing those who are doing things. So this can be, maybe you take five minutes to, whether it's in Influitive Messenger or through Slack or through an email, thank some customers, write up a personal email and say, thank you for your involvement. I really appreciate having you in the program. Hope you have a great day. You're not trying to get anything from them. You're just yeah. recognizing them. So easy to do. But again, like we forget to do it because we, I think, uh, we underestimate the amount of power that that has yeah. and how people will perceive it. So we just need to do a lot more outreach like that. Yeah. And it's just, you know, planting seeds a, a little bit like, yeah, just reaching out to somebody just to thank them or see how they're doing with, without an ulterior motive. You bet. That's it. Well, thanks so much, Jenny. This was amazing. And uh, yeah, we'll probably have you back at some point. 
Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And I hope everybody learned at least a nugget or two. (laughs) See what I mean about Jenny being a gem? In her community, Jenny builds deep, genuine relationships with her customers. But she started somewhere and she started small. And even now that her community has grown rapidly, she still believes in the value of connecting with customers on a smaller scale, even just 25 customers, which I think for everyone out there unsure of what to do next, that's it. You start small. Don't have a community or some sort of an advocacy program yet? Maybe find five customers you can start connecting with on a more personal level. Already have a massive community? Maybe find a subsection within that community and focus on going deeper. Let's stop underestimating the big impact of small groups of our customers.